the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 602-508-0960. Listening to y'all on the issue uh, and story with Afghanistan and the president's uh, speech on it. Today, it's their prime focus, Kamala Harris says, their number one focus that the entire administration is um, energized on. And yet Joe Biden opens his speech talking about budget bills that the House just passed and what a great day it is for America that the infrastructure bill went through the House of Representatives. Then he turned to Afghanistan, where in he said that he will keep the deadline of August 31st for final transportation and evacuations, a deadline the Taliban gave to the United States. It led CNN to headline, Biden says withdrawal success depends on Taliban cooperation. I'll give you that headline again. Makes you proud to be an American, doesn't it? Biden says withdrawal success depends on Taliban cooperation. Whatever happened to the notion that America's withdrawal success depends on America? Maybe with the help of allies, but it doesn't depend, does it, on the whimsy of our enemy? Are we just now broadcasting that we're already hostage to the Taliban? Is there any other conclusion to reach? Rob, you tell me. Well, you know, I've always believed in the Godfather theory of leadership where, um, you know, when your enemy becomes my enemy, then they will fear you. Mm-hmm. And right now, uh, there is no fear uh, within the Taliban and any of our enemies. And that's precisely the problem. Now, the uh, interestingly, about an hour ago, the White House actually unlisted the video of President Biden's remarks on Afghanistan on YouTube. And from what I understand, because I didn't see it uh, once again for the third or fourth, I guess, fourth time, uh, there were no questions. Mm-hmm. It was just him, him talking and walking away. And that kind of says a lot. Yeah. Now, back when um, I think it was Dustin was talking about uh, the Dustin, Dustin, yes, Dustin, about, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the situation on the ground, you know, as a military guy career, um, my thinking is that somebody somewhere must have given a stand-down order to our troops in Afghanistan. Now, nobody will probably know who it was, or nobody will admit to being the person that gave a stand-down order. But at the same time, um, we're dealing with, uh, right now, I mean, Afghans are now not getting to the Kabul airport 
And that's because the Taliban's not letting them through. That's right. I, that's right. Just to know, say that once you're at the airport, you have um, uh, uh, free, free travel rights uh, and opportunities is, isn't nearly the story. How do you get to the airport? No, that's right. right. Yeah. That's right. And then, you know, I, I read uh, from Sarah Carter, actually, earlier today, a couple hours ago, that Americans have been told that they will not be escorted through Taliban lines. Well, gee, isn't that great? Um, because I don't see how there's any way for any Americans in Afghanistan to not go through Taliban lines and checkpoints in order to get to them. It is the government of Afghanistan, after all. Well, as, as we see it now, yeah. which reminds me, too, that, you know, we, we focus a lot on al-Qaeda, but I also read a couple of days ago there's like 120 or 130 different terrorist groups uh, that have moved into Afghanistan, mostly from Pakistan, mm-hmm. you know, in the uh, in the region there. So it's not just Al Qaeda. There's there's a bunch of American hating terrorists there who are, of course, uh, Islamic extremists. So, oh, and then um, I I read that uh, some Afghans uh, came into Dulles Airport today, and their handler basically said, you know, if you want to get away. Uh, you know, as, as individuals or a group, go ahead. So they've basically been told to scatter. Well, and then I'm thinking about, you know, the call, was it Kevin in Atlanta? You know, he was talking about, yeah. God help us, uh, about a 9-11 situation in Afghanistan. Well, you know, this could be like a, a dual situation where now we have Afghans in the U.S. who have not been vetted, who have been told to basically, well, go where you want, uh, by people that are apparently handling them. And that's a little bit concerning. Um, I also think about, and I, I may have mentioned this before, maybe it was last week when you weren't on, you know, about Lara Logan when she was talking on Tucker Carlson about everything that's going on in Afghanistan is because whoever's in charge wants all this to happen. And, and that keeps kind of tugging at the back of my mind because, in, in a sense, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Oh, by the way, I didn't know that she was, well, I may have way back, but she was actually... Uh, I think a CBS journalist who was actually raped during the Arab Spring in yeah, Cairo that's back right. in 2012. That's right. Yeah, you know, so, so she's a she's a pretty gutsy woman. I got to give. Oh yeah, no, she is. That. She is. Uh, she was embedded in Iraq and then, of course, covered the Egyptian uh, revolution, if that's what you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. Right. How about yeah. this? Yeah. How about how about this to make you just? Do you remember Joe Biden's speech on Sunday? He said. Um, he said, if you need to get out, give us a call, we'll get you out. Oh, he, yeah. He literally right. said, yeah. give us a call, we'll get you out. And I remember someone said, yeah. what is there, some 1-800-USA phone yeah. number? Save me. Yeah, 1-800-SAVE-ME. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, here's here's a journalist uh, on Twitter today uh, tagging Jen Psaki, and I'll just read you what she tweeted. I'm waiting for pre- – at press secretary Jen Psaki, I'm waiting for the press secretary to open her DMs. Direct messages. I have passport numbers of three American citizens who are stranded in Kabul, a woman and her two kids, American citizens. And the U.S. government doesn't know about this, Rob. We could probably multiply that, I don't know, by um, a thousand, ten thousand. I I don't know. At least a thousand, right? At least a thousand. Well, and yeah, it's. It's okay for us not to know, but it's very not okay for the U.S. government, especially the State Department, who is supposed to be tracking uh, American citizens abroad, uh, that they don't know. And again, their Secretary of State came out 
uh, either today, yesterday, or, or the day before, and said, yeah, the Taliban's in control here in Afghanistan. Well, that's encouraging, don't you think? How does the <laughs> State Department not know? I mean, exactly. you need a passport to travel internationally. How is it sure. possible the State Department can't, within minutes, never mind seconds, pull up how many passports have been processed through Afghanistan? Well, yeah. And I if mean, they can't do are, that, why do we trust them on people who aren't American citizens coming to America when we can't tell well, how many Americans we have in Afghanistan? Well, that is one of the many reasons why I couldn't last no longer than five years as a foreign service I officer. I understand. But I think, I think you get that. I get now, it. on the... Uh, on the uh, earlier thing, when you started during your monologue about, you know, you wanted to hear from veterans about yeah. Afghanistan, um, the only things that I'd have to add would be, uh, and we've talked before, that number one, and this may be the most important part, nation building never works, period. Mm-hmm. End of story. Mm-hmm. Period. Okay. Well, and especially if the culture is not a nation in, in the Western civilization sense, which Afghanistan fits the bill right there. Yeah. Um, the other point is that you never tell an enemy a withdrawal date no. or a deadline no. or a timeline. We were withdrawing quietly, okay. and it was going fine. Oh, yeah. But, no, people actually had to come out with a date. People actually had to uh, buy off spending 15 years more than we needed No, to. they thought they'd have a celebration on 9-11. That's what they thought. They thought Joe Biden yeah. could brag that he was the American president to get us successfully out of Afghanistan. He will now have bragging well, rights, I'm guessing, as being the second president in our lifetimes to have American hostages held by a foreign enemy. Yeah. That didn't have to become a foreign enemy, by the way. No, you that's know, right. The Iranian yeah. revolution didn't have to take place any more than the Taliban taking over Afghanistan had to take place. Oh, and those 52 American absolutely. hostages from the Iranian regime, again, that mm-hmm. will be a low number compared to what we'll see here. Oh, yeah, because we're dealing with thousands right yep. now. Um, yep. Yeah, the only other thing I have to say is I still can't figure out why Kamala Harris went to Singapore and Vietnam and, and the purpose of the trip, how it fits in with anything in their national interest, which the only thing in our national interest right now ought to be getting Americans safely out of that. Well, the only thing I can and, think of, Rob, is some political director in the White House said to himself or herself, you know, we're in a tense situation, um, really tense, and – we need to control the messaging. Let's get the most stupid-sounding person out of the country, in fact, out of the continent right now. That could have been it. That could have been it. Funny thing is, Kamala Harris figured out a way to show the world that she still knows how to laugh when a reporter puts a microphone in front of her face on issues as serious as what's going on in Afghanistan. Getting her to another continent didn't do the job. It's the only reason I can think she's in Singapore. Let's get the idiot out of here. We have enough to deal with when it comes to Joe Biden. gives me no pleasure to speak about our president and vice president that way. But you know what? If they're going to lie to us, I'm going to tell the truth. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. If you're a caller on hold, please stay. We will get to you. It is a delight to bring back Dr. Tevi Troy, presidential and cultural historian, author of several books, most recently, Fight House, Rivalries from the White House. 
rivalries in the White House, sorry, from uh, Truman to Trump. He had a piece, really good piece, uh, in the Wall Street Journal yesterday, all the president's yes men. Tevi, welcome back. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Seb. It's always a pleasure to be on with you and your great listeners. You want to hear what a dork I am? Yes. Okay. That's offer I've had all day. Okay. <laughs> well, I read your piece in the Wall Street Journal last night. It was just a busy day. So forgive me, I didn't read it first thing in the morning. And then I had a weird dream that I was in college and I opened my backpack to pull out my books for a class and every book was the same and it was by Irving Janus. And it, and it was it was it was a it was the book obviously titled right you know you know where I'm going here <laughs> you know where I'm going yeah let's tell the yeah audience yeah so Irving Janus was a professor of political science at Yale whose big important book was called Groupthink which described the errors that are made in administrations and by groups of. Uh, corporate organizations because they don't listen to dissenting views. It was a landmark political science book. Uh, what somewhere uh, somewhere in the um, in the nineteen fifties, but then with updates after the Bay of Pigs, etc. In any event, that's what a dork I am, Tevi. That's what a dork I am. Uh, One thing I didn't get about the story is, did you have the dream after you read my piece? Yeah, I read it. It was the dream after I read your piece, so it was a dream, not a nightmare. Okay, but that's what we're talking about here a little bit. Groupthink, isn't it? Absolutely, and I specifically mentioned groupthink in the article yeah. because it seems to me that there was some groupthink going on in the Biden administration, at least at the upper echelon levels. I'm not saying at the military and intelligence levels. They appear to be trying to issue the correct warning. But the people at the top level, the political aides, the Jake Sullivan's and the Anthony Blinken's, they had, according to news media, and I'm not making this up, this is, this is, uh, this is what I've been reading in the news reports, uh, they knew the boss's mind was made up. Yep. And therefore, they didn't want to present differing information because they knew he wasn't changing his mind. That's classic group things. You know what the boss thinks, so you don't really challenge it. So any information that things weren't as he thought necessarily, or any information that the Taliban was on the rise, any information that the Taliban could take over Kabul, you know, from Friday to Monday, uh, to, to quote to quote Blinken in the negative. Um, any information that flowed from those experts or intelligence analysts, which we assume did, would have stopped then at the desk of Blinken or 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 some or some other official uh, like Jake Sullivan at the NSC, yeah. right? Right, and and you say we assume that that's what the military intelligence people were saying. I think we know that okay. the military intelligence yeah. people were saying that, at least again, according to the news report. No, I think I, I no, I think that's a fair point. And you do a good job in your piece, by the way, of kind of describing the unfolding of what happened here. Yes, of course, we start with the Kennedy administration. I want to work backwards to that. Do you mind reprising just a little bit from your piece what did happen in this case, as you say, as as you write it up? Well, it appears again. I don't have access to in, inside information yeah. anymore. I used to work in the White House, instead, but. It seems that Biden's mind was made up. Some intel and military people felt that things were could go in a very wrong direction, but the upper echelon political aides did not want to present contrary information to him because they had the sense that his mind was made up. In addition, there's that point I make from 
the book by Amy Parnes and Jonathan Allen called Lucky, that Biden doesn't like, quote, process story, by which he means stories about internal disagreements. Mm-hmm. And so if you know your boss doesn't want to read the paper about internal disagreements, you will be extra careful and make sure that nothing, no internal disagreements take place in front of the president, so it's not going to show up in the pages of the New York Times, the political, Wall Street Journal, etc. And so this combination of knowing or thinking they knew what the boss thought, plus not wanting him to read about any internal disagreements, led to this really bad process where they kind of went along with what Biden wanted without presenting the contrary information to him. Nice. Nicely put, nicely summarized. Now, you would have thought, after all the history, whether it's the Janus book, whether it's just understanding history or having been in Washington, or really any large organization, we would have thought that your piece almost wouldn't have been necessary. I don't mean that negatively, but I hope you take it in the spirit in which I attended. Of course. Haven't we learned this a million times over already? Yeah, well, look, Seth, you and I have discussed my book, Fight House, many times. And what I argue in Fight House is that there's always some kind of disagreement in the administration. The question is, how do you manage it? And what I argue in Fight House is that there is a continuum. And then on one side, there's absolute dysfunction. Everybody's fighting all the time. Nobody trusts one another. Nobody can say things in meetings because they feel like it's going to be leaked and they're going to be backstabbed. That leads to complete paralysis. That's not a good approach. Mm-hmm. The other is everybody agrees or seemingly agrees, and they're all in the bubble. They're engaged in this groupthink, and nobody wants to raise this contrary point because they don't think it's necessary to raise a contrary point because everybody's in agreement and how could anybody think differently than they're brilliant. So somewhere between those two is the happy medium of let's hash it out, let's have an argument, let's have real, honest discussions about the pros and cons, and then at the end of the day, once the boss has heard the information and makes the decision, then we, as Carl Rove said in his memoir, after we've had the hash, hashed it out, we lock arms and walk out together on the same page, knowing that everybody had a chance to have their say. Which that is, is what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, that's what you're trying to achieve. Now, remove yourself and your administration from it just for personal purposes, Tevi. As a historian, what administration got this right? I know a lot of people like to look at Team of Rivals, but what was that? Did, did we have other administrations that got yeah. this right? And, and to be fair, I don't claim in my book in White House that the George W. Bush administration got it perfectly right. I think they had it okay on domestic policy and then on foreign policy with Powell, Cheney, Rice, Rumsfeld, it was a bit of a mess. Okay. So I, I, even though I worked in the Bush administration, I, I don't absolve them. Um, I think the Reagan administration did a good job. There was definitely fighting. There was a lot of fighting in the Reagan administration. That you had to get stuff done, yep. and at the end of the day, the decisions were made by the president, and uh, each side had to say. And there was definitely, you know, Meese was uh, fighting with uh, Baker, and Baker was undercutting and leaking about Meese. But there was fighting. They seem to have gotten it right in a lot of ways. There was fighting in the Bush one, uh, George H. W. Bush administration too, wasn't there? That was that was George H. W. Bush had a paralyzed domestic policy yeah, process because yeah. Chief Staff Johnson knew, knew yeah. and OMB Director Richard Darman, Dick Darman, uh, were arrogant and they didn't want to hear ideas from anybody else, and they would yell at people. In fact, the process of, of raising your a contrary voice in a senior staff meeting and getting humiliated by Darman was called being Darmanized. Yeah. Nobody wanted to be Darmanized. And that led to yeah. Good point. Can you stay a little bit? Of course. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Dr. Tevi Troy. We'll be right back. Those of you on hold, don't go anywhere. We have plenty of time and we'll get to you shortly.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have Dr. Tevi Troy with us. He is a cultural and presidential historian, as uh, well as an author of several books, most recently Fight House, Rivalries in the White House from Truman to Trump. Tevi, I was I was reading a little bit about Joe Biden's polling um, and how it's fallen so far to the lowest point in his presidency underwater, depending on which poll you look at, all of them showing him underwater um, and and really on two very big issues that I don't think have an immediate way to correct themselves. Afghanistan, obviously, and the ongoing covid situation. Um, how do, do they do they get out of this? Is there a way out of this? Is there a spin? Is there do you fire someone? You know crisis communications. You know big departments. You know the White House. You've been in them all. How do, how do you crisis manage this thing? A as a political matter, and B, you know you know the difference between right and wrong, which is all you need for foreign policy expertise, according to Irving Kristol. What does this look like for Afghanistan and the world in America? Do the first one first. Yeah, there's a lot in that question. Yeah. And yeah. First of all, on the firings, Biden has already said he's not going to fire anyone. Right. And he's he's not inclined to fire people in general. He is inclined to yell sometimes, but he's not someone who's inclined to fire in most circumstances. They did fire their campaign manager during the last campaign, but for the most part, it's not a frequent move in Biden world. The spin that they're going to deploy, getting out of this, and as we all know, the media are complicit in whatever they say, so I think they'll have an enabler there. But the, do you do you know that on MSNBC's homepage there's not a word on Afghanistan? Not one. Just uh, FYI to your point. Go I was going to say that's shocking, but right. it's not. <laughs> right, right. No, but to your point, okay. But I'm going to tell you what the spin is. They are going to tell you the number of people who they have helicoptered or, or flown out of Afghanistan. People, the number of people that they've taken out. And it's going to be a sizable number. They're not going to tell you the denominator, so... They're going to tell you X got out. Right. They're not going to tell you out of how many. They're not going to tell you how many were beaten along the way. And they'll say it was the biggest airlift in history or something, probably. They're going to tell you it's the biggest airlift ever. They're not going to tell you how much it cost the United States government, and it could not have to cost this much. And they're certainly not going to talk about the number of weapons that we lost, the face that we lost, uh, and the way that it could have been done in an easier and better way. But the the spin is going to be, we airlifted 12,000, 15,000 people, whatever the number is out. And they're just going to rest on those laurels. And you've already got people like Jen Rubin, who I seem to remember when she was a big Romney fan. I don't know where she's gone over over the years, but um, uh, but Jen Rubin's already pushing that thing in that wrong place. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Okay. Is she defending the administration on this? Oh, yeah. She's all in on my <laughs> This is the conservative, in-house conservative columnist at the Washington Post? So-called, yeah. One of them, anyway. <laughs> Okay. Well, Mike Gerson is the other one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, 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 great team we got there, as Nixon told Kissinger, right? Great team we got there, Henry. Great team. Um, <laughs> Tevi, uh, the bigger issue, though, right? I mean, uh, I, I, words fail me at this point to reprise and, and restate what I said earlier, but um, Saigon wasn't about the pictures on that dread day of 1975 any more than Kabul is the pictures out of Karzai International Airport. The comparison, the analogy, and the fear is what came after those pictures in Saigon. Um, 
paralysis by America, nervousness by allies, 10 countries falling to the Soviet bloc. That's what came from the fall of Saigon. Killing fields, refugees, boat people. Yeah, yeah. Never mind the destruction of an entire population. Exactly right. This, This is, I think, potentially worse, honestly. Yeah, I know it, 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 it's terrible. It's hard to put a good spin on it. Although I, I did see Tom Friedman try. He said that without the U.S. in Afghanistan, an unstable Afghanistan potentially causes trouble for Russia, uh, China, and Pakistan, and Iran, thereby um, solving four of Biden's problems by uh, pulling out, which I think is a ridiculous thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I give him credit for trying Oh, my God. Just call but I think those four countries, none of whom have the U.S.'s interest at heart, um, I think they're all emboldened by it. I think they the feel stronger today. Of course they do. Of course they do. The Russians are thrilled. The Pakistanis kind of set this up by um, uh, by giving the, the, the Taliban safe harbor after all, yep. over all these years. I mean, the Taliban would have been gone if, the Pakistan, if they didn't have the safe harbor. That's right. From, that's right. From the Pakistanis and the support from the ISI, the Secret Service, on, right. uh, and then Iran is just absolutely thrilled because their ambitions for takeover of the larger Middle East are emboldened by this because they say, "Look, the U.S. Even if the U.S. comes in for a year or two years, five years, ten years, even twenty years, they're not going to stick around for a long time." And this is what the Taliban have been saying for two decades: "You have the watches, we have the time." Tevi Troy, thank you for coming on. It was compressed, but you had great property yesterday and a great op-ed. I appreciate your insight and friendship, as always. Thanks so much, Tevi. God bless. The Seth Liebson Show. Portions of which are brought to you by Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing. Forget the heating right now, obviously, but for all your air conditioning and plumbing needs, Cool Touch is there for you 24-7. I know this not only because they tell me, but because I had to call them on a Saturday night, and they were there the next day to fix my problem. They are the company I use. They are the company my friends and family use. They do what they say, and they say what they'll do. I love the folks at Cool Touch. They have a New system right now of air conditioning that's really great. It's as if it had a dimmer switch on it so your air conditioning unit doesn't have to turn on and off and surge the power every time to get the temperature where you want it to keep. It's like a dimmer switch. If you're interested in that system, which, by the way, they're offering a $2,000 rebate on, or any other system, or repair, or an inspection, Cool Touch is who you want to call. 623-734-1932. Or CoolTouchAC.com. That's CoolTouchAC.com. And tell them I, Seth, sent you. Steve is in Phoenix. Hello, Steve. Thanks for your patience. Hey, Seth. How are you doing? I'm well, sir. Uh, I think everybody's missing the point. I don't think people see what's going on over there in Afghanistan. I think the Taliban flooded the plains with Afghanis didn't let the Americans through, and now we're going to have the biggest ransom situation in the history of the world. I think they were looking at this for ransom money right from the start. We have, um, we no, well, listen, we have seven to eight days to know, to know the veracity of, 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 of that, of that hypothesis. And I don't know why we shouldn't think that that is a realistic possibility, Steve. Um, 
of course it's a realistic possibility. Of course that's a possibility. We are dealing – I, you know, we talk about the Taliban – at, you know, at, 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 as if it's as if it's some kind of political party in Europe, it's not. This is a movement that gouges out the eyes of literate women and nails dissidents and opponents to walls, obviously without crosses. I mean, this this is the most retrograde movement. The world has ever seen. When we initially bombed Afghanistan in uh, 2001, Christopher Hitchens, who had spent an awful lot of time in that region, had the line, it's the first case in history where we have actually bombed a country into the Stone Age. What he meant by that is that the Stone Age was an improvement for the Taliban. That was a modernization. This is the most retrograde Backward, radical, extreme. I, 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 I can't even begin to plumb the depths of my Roger thesaurus to find the adjectives here. But if a political organization could constitute a ghoulish nightmare in a world familiar with ghoulish nightmares from Nazi Germany to the Soviet Union to Maoist China – to the killing fields of Cambodia, if that was our idea of a ghoulish nightmare, be prepared for a whole new sleep. This is an entirely different level of violence and inhumanity. Mike is in Maricopa. Hi, Mike. Yes, Seth, good afternoon. Excellent broadcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, uh Start off on a lighter note. I noticed that everyone went on vacation when this happened. Did everyone do that? Did everyone head for the hills? Even you, Seth. Me and the president. Okay. Jen Psaki and uh, you know what the <laughs> Mike? Can I defend myself? Do you know what the difference is? The difference is Saki and Biden have classified intelligence briefings. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> I had planned my trip a month ago. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, anyway, okay, I was not in Afghanistan. I was in Desert Storm in the 18th Airborne Corps, Thank but you, I sir. have some thoughts as a, as a soldier. Yeah. And uh, so I'd like to compare and contrast, and I'll go very quick because I know there's other people. Okay. Uh, compare and contrast what's going on in Afghanistan and then we what's going on in Mexico. It seems like uh, they want to, news media says, oh, but they're cutting people's heads off in, in Afghanistan. And it's like, that's a daily occurrence yeah. in Mexico. So I'm kind of wondering why that part of it. I always try to think of other people before I think of myself. Uh -huh. And I'm trying to think about what the veterans are thinking. Mm -hmm. They're going whiskey tango foxtrot right about now. Uh, at I, best. I have at best. At, yes. Yeah, because well, the whiskey I, is a question. It's a what. <laughs> right? Yeah. I won't do Tango uh, yeah. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> With a huge I, I guess I could, I could do Tango, but we'll, we'll leave it at, at, yeah. at, at where you left it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, you get the message. I do. But I have, I have heard that there has been a huge increase in calls to the veteran crisis line. Uh huh. Uh, and I just want to remind my fellow veterans out there, it was the suits and not the boots, all right? Okay. You good. guys did a commendable job. Good. 
Good. And but I can sit here and imagine some pretty horrible things. People, you know, they're sitting at home and they're lazy boy and they're having a couple of cold beverages and saying, you know, I think about my friends yeah. that I left behind, yeah. or they look down and they only mm-hmm. got one leg, and it's like, what was I told? Yeah, why did I leave I... a leg there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and um, and, I... and I guess Mike, it, it is a fair point to also put in a word for the people on the ground there who helped our guys out, those friends, right? Absolutely, all those people, and you know, that's kind of one thing, but it's a, it's kind of another. When you were on with Holman the other day, and they were talking about that, you cannot change. Uh, uh, civilization or right. their lines right. of thinking. But obviously we can because obviously there's a lot of people there that know that they don't want to go back pre-Stone Age. Well, that's a damn interesting yeah. point, Mike. You know, for that's a darned interesting point. Uh, that really is. We had allies on the ground there. Uh, we certainly, once upon a time, had the Northern Alliance and Ahmed Masood, right? Shah Masood, right? There are there were pockets of it. You're right about that. That's worth remembering. That is worth remembering. Well, to do the flashback, there were more than 100,000 people that died in the South China Sea in rickety, leaky boats getting away from it because they knew what was yep. coming. So, so we had made inroads into changing these people's culture and their way of thinking, and they were going to do that. It was odd that you just mentioned Masood. I always try to look for the silver lining because I constantly hear of about the Afghan or the Taliban has taken over all the country. Yeah. But Ahmad Shah Masood, he was blowed up on, I think it was the 9th of, of September, just a couple of days before yes. 9-11. Yes. But his his son, which has a striking resemblance to him in the Panjshir Valley, they have counterattacked, and they're, they've taken back three provinces, and there's heavy casualties on both sides. But I noticed I only heard one report of that by the media. I, I another thought that I have. I would empty. I would empty our material and just give it to to uh, uh, Masood. I really would. I really would. I, I I don't know what happened in the background, but we knew what was coming, and I would certainly pray to God that there was a lot of CH forty sevens that were loaded up, and it's like send it to these guys because they certainly know how to use it. You They're bet. On our side. You bet. Yep. Uh, the, the one on the sad part Mike, is... Mike, let me the, take this quick commercial break. I'll come right back to you. Is that cool? Plan. Thanks. Onward we go. This is a country that went from let's roll 20 years ago to let's roll up in a ball and crawl under the bed. Mike, in Maricopa, you had another thought on Afghanistan, sir. Yep, and suck our thumbs, that's yep, for sure. Yep. I also heard a report that there were three Chinooks against orders that left out of the Kabul airport and went to a nearby hotel where Americans were holed up and they loaded them up and brought them back to the uh, Kabul airport. Uh, the, the real sad part is these anti-war uh, people and they they're constantly using these terms like well when we started the war in Afghanistan and I think we covered this the last week or two weeks ago but Bin Laden started the war when he issued his fatwa in 1996 declaring war on the United States he reinforced that with another fatwa in 1998 he started the war. Uh, with casualties when he bombed the two embassies in East Africa and when they bombed the USS Cole in Aden, Yemen. 
I feel sad, I feel angry, I feel frustrated, and it always seems that the Democrats seem to get us into these messes. Now, there's been a couple of uh, previous callers on a, on a thought, and I don't want to paint too bad of a picture, but sometimes uh, we have to always stand back and uh, plan for the worst and hope for the best. But at the Kabul Airport, airfield, uh, being that we left a bunch of mortars behind, uh, once you start cratering a, a runway with mortars, aircraft can't get out anymore. And then all they're going to do is penetrate the fence in three or four different directions and have a multi-pronged uh, attack into the people because the Taliban completely surround the airfield. And they're not looking for hostages to sell. They're looking for a huge bloodbath. And I, I hate to go there, but I, I can envision scenes of such horrible atrocities that God bless you, Seth, and thank you for your time, and keep up the good work, and welcome home. I've done nothing here, Mike, compared to what you've done. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your call. Bill, how much time do I have? 80 seconds. Let me, um, rather than... Uh, rather than uh, take a call and our lines are full which delights me rather than take a call that that might be a little bit stinted because of the of the time i have to take the top of the hour break let me do this let me ask those of you on hold to hang on and we will bring in the hallmans take your calls and then turn to uh turn to uh what hugh and lewis and uh, i usually talk about on tuesday afternoons but uh all of you on hold stay there we'll get to you and rather than talk to me You'll talk to me and the rest of Arizona and Hugh and Lewis as well. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.